just common sense. All right, are you ready to go? So excited. All right, Chaz Smith, welcome back to The Grip for May 22nd, 2020. Iron Man Street continues. It does indeed, thanks to album surfboards. Finest surfboards in the entire world. Taking responsible precautions amid COVID crisis. A lot of space at the album headquarters. Also, respons- also responsible in the fact that they're still open. That's amazing. Isn't it amazing? I think that's a responsible thing. I think so too. I think people need, you got to let the let the pressure off. Let the people come look at surfboards. Well, also got to keep some semblance of economic activity running, not despite any threat, but again, responsible. There's no threat here because of cleanliness, social distancing, all that sort of stuff. Plenty and of room. still can operate a business. Plenty of room so to move around. Thing. Yeah. Um, how has your life been affected in the last week? Are things kind of some semblance of normalcy at this point it just feels like it's settled into is what it is i think looking down the barrel of summer uh and realizing that you know i mean we as a family or i've traveled you know internationally with the family probably two times every summer over the last decade right Mm -hmm. and looking at this summer thinking oh that's that's flat out not going to happen like even getting on a plane I, i was reading um what was it? Uh, I can't remember. It's a Wall Street Journal or something about new airline uh, res- or what it's going to be like to fly once the airlines really start picking it up. And it seems awful. There's like going to be no food or drink service, full stop. You're going to have to wear a mask the entire flight. Uh, there's going to be no like in-flight magazines, nothing that you can touch. There's probably going to be pretty limited any kind of entertainment, anything. It's just going to be a cattle car that you're shoved into with a mask on. So that flying as luxury, which, you know, I still love to fly, even though I fly a bit or flew a bit, I guess, before this. But uh, the, yeah, like getting shoved into a plane and mask on your face and just have to sit still, no food, no drink, no nothing for eight hours seems miserable. Okay, but you're also spaced out. So the ultimate dream when you get on a coach flight is to have a row to yourself. In this new scenario, I would imagine they're going to space everybody out. They, th- that's what they've claimed, and they've claimed they're going to. But I've seen pictures from, you know, people have, have done the so pictures. Yeah, yeah, where the, every seat is filled. Everybody's yeah. just sitting there with their masks on, like in bad, bummed, catatonic states of, yeah. I mean, it seems it seems like a bummer. So all to say, a long way around. Like, it, everything feels normal-ish now, but I know this summer, I'm going to be thinking, dang it. I just mm-hmm. want to go somewhere. Have you gotten used to wearing a mask? Mm, yeah, I guess so. I guess it kind of becomes... I'm used to a mask now. Like, I used to be used to bringing uh, bags to the grocery store. Like, I have my mask in the car. I grab it rotely when I get out of the car. I put it on when I go to the store. I still feel claustrophobic in mine, though. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I don't like the way it feels, but I the, never... I haven't forgotten my mask, right. I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I The idea, though, of being on an airplane for eight hours... With a mask on. ...is undoable for me. I can do a grocery store run, but at the, at the end of a grocery store run, I'm truly itching. Oh, man, I rip the thing off as soon yeah. as I exit. Right. Like, that thing is off. And, yeah. I had, uh, a, I had a good experience... Um, couple of days ago getting coffee or an interesting experience where the girl at the coffee place called me Chris. I walked in, I have my mask on. I think I had my sunglasses on still. And she's like, Oh, Hey Chris. And I was like, do I try to correct her? It's also, she's, um, it's hard to communicate with people because 
you can't see their mouth. You no. can't their uh, voice is muffled a little bit. So I'm like, do I go through the rigmarole of like, oh no no, I'm not Chris. This is David. You know. Yeah. And, and then also she feels shame about that. So in a split second kind of decision, I go, I'm Chris. For the rest of this interaction, I'm going to be Chris. Smart man. And thankfully, she wasn't confused. I just ordered 16-ounce black coffee. So I don't know if Chris had a normal drink. And then she kind of figured out maybe I wasn't Chris. But I kind of enjoyed it. The idea of this mask allows me to be a different person. You could have, you could have begun right there a kind of sordid affair. Like, <laughs> as Chris, right? You could have, totally. like, been real flirty with her. Like, passed her your phone number. Hey, give me a call. Fully ruined Chris's life. Totally. Chris has a wife that he usually comes in with. Totally. I mean, just think. <laughs> that would have been amazing. I mean, I think about this all the time, though, about a funny uh, daughter I took daughter to Target yesterday. I mean, funny how it's the the little outings are the things you now kind of, or at least I kind of live for. Like that's the thing that provides break in your day. Mm -hmm. So I had to get, you know, whatever, dishwasher soap or something and could have gotten down the street, but that wasn't a big enough outing. So took the kid to Target, you know, she wanted a toy or whatever. So go to Target, went to the self-checkout, was looking up, you know how they have the monitors uh, at the self-checkout where you can see yourself. Both of us are in our masks. Thinking this, everything is all purposes are defeated right mm-hmm. now. Like with the mask, we could just rob everything blind, and you know, probably not going to bust us for shoplifting. They don't know who we are, clearly. Yeah, we have our masks on, and if they do, you cough on them. Precisely, yeah. I have COVID. I saw some Instagram somebody posted of a person being pulled over by a cop, and they just stuck a sign up in the window that said, "I have COVID." No way. <laughs> yep. So. That idea of um, living an altered life, yeah, an alter, and that your target example is actually perfect because never, there's never been a less flattering view of yourself than the target camera. For sure, I've seen a lot of mirrors in my life. That and a lot of even like security cam footage of myself. That is the ultimate worst. The worst. The worst. I mean, so I've discovered my best look is in a mask. It's true. But in a mask and in the dark is my best look. So, I mean, here's the thing moving forward, right? Is as privacy with coronavirus, I think, becomes a concern, right? Like yep. that there's going to be sort of the government is going to use, governments around the world are using this opportunity to, you know, impinge on what used to be civil liberties. Like there's going to be, you know, whatever. Like from getting your temperature checked before you go in to, or, or allowed to go in to being tracked, like the whole tracing of who's giving covid to who kind of Mm -hmm. thing you know so now they're government's tracking or trying to track your movement everywhere throughout the day where the mask is the ultimate armor against that so i guess we're gonna have to get uncomfortable i mean get comfortable in our masks i guess so um yeah facial recognition software is not going to hit the projections that it was before anybody investing in that space is a wrap take a back seat it's a total wrap like i wonder what i wonder what else they're going to try to figure out okay we can't look at the face anymore so let's look at the at what posture i mean i wonder what about us is unique well um the reality is if you have like a smart watch or any of that they're mon it is monitoring sure a lot of things in your vitals and um my girlfriend works in a building that Google has space in. And Google, their kind of high up what employees have a microchip implant, implanted in their body so that they just scan in and out of the building. And if 
I'm sure that it's not just for scanning and out of the building. It's also tracking your sleep patterns, all this to make you a more efficient employee. And the way that Google, the culture of the company is there is that you actually want that microchip implanted because that means that you're someone of value to the company. That means you're higher paid. That means that you're on the cutting edge of this kind of technology that they're developing that all of mankind will have in the future. But it is so scary. I, I mean, I can't. You couldn't pay me enough. You could not pay me enough either. And I'm sure we, amongst that group of people, we would be categorized as full tin hat folk, right? For sure. And But I can't imagine having Google, imagining that Google is a benevolent entity that, that, that cares about any anything other than a bottom line. Like, have you, have you watched Devs? on hulu what is it devs no the show no oh. like developers uh it's like yeah is that what dev is short for Dev, you'll see in the show oh. i won't spoil it for you but he's about a tech company basically who plays god and it's it's a great yeah it's just one one season but phenomenal on hulu okay well if i mean the uh facebook and google fit this apple to a lesser degree because apple i feel like charges a premium for the product and doesn't use your information well, and even if they're collecting the information because apple, they're not in the business of selling it and because apple is still selling product right like expensive product a, a physical thing a totally. computer so they don't need to totally ruin your life i mean there's well yeah. so with those two other examples though it there were in a biz we're now only aware of what the business model is in hindsight so whenever we signed up to get free maps and gmail we didn't know what the currency was and now in hindsight it looks like a pretty bad exchange or like a really expensive those maps are now super expensive sure you, know? you they're tracking every movement that exactly. you've ever made over so, the last yeah quarter. so the fact that that felt feels nefarious in hindsight would make me never want to let them plant a microchip in my body. Completely. Because <laughs> then they just own your DNA, essentially, is where it's going. It's insane to me, again. But, again, we're kicked off into the Tin Hat crew. And, yeah. We're, but we're, the mask is the ultimate. The mask is the, is the armor against, or par- partially. As long as you're not getting the chip and wearing the Apple Watch, a mask then brings back some, which is odd. Because it's a thing that I loathe. But maybe it's time to get real good-looking masks I well suppose. like i said i look better i'm more handsome in a mask so i'm okay with it i gotta f- i'm gonna embrace it i gotta figure out i'm stuck these days in a like one of the cheap i guess it's it's not an n95 it's just one of the standard whatever like a construction construction masking mask. which is or not a shaper which is wear. not a flattering mask so i gotta i gotta find something better <laughs> so for the longest time i was just wearing the cowboy bandana yeah and then i was I was at Target and they had um, uh, they had a bunch of uh, like a t-shirt company that kind of cuts scraps into a face mask and I'm like, well, that looks more like a proper face mask. I'm gonna go ahead and get those. So I stocked up on those and I've been trying to wear them. They're so claustrophobic. Yeah. So I'm gonna go back to the cowboy bandana from bandana. this point. I wonder, do you think you would get busted? I mean. The- that's the thing. This is the wild. The mask is the wild west now. So you could get away with anything. I bet you could wear a Darth Vader helmet into a store and just say, hey, "This is my mask." You know, it's covering my covering my mouth. Like, what are the For rules? Sure Do you have to see the top of my head? Do you have to see my eyes? Like, I love that. Yeah, creating one solution to a problem in terms of business like presents a whole host of other problems. Totally. Uh, in terms of, we have no idea who's in our store at this point. Yeah, it's wild, dude. I wonder it if, really is wild. Wonder if child predators are like super hyped. 
they can like just hang out in front of I mean, the schools are all closed, but That's what, true. Where, where are they going to predator? Oh yeah, the, all the parks are closed. They're just putting masks on and trying to go predatorialize, and there's nowhere for them to go. <laughs> Man, COVID's treating them real roughly. Yeah. Um, so I since our last, I guess it was two episodes ago, you want to know what I've learned the most about? What? Not mid-lengths. Parrots. Oh, yeah. I've learned a lot about parrots. Are you thinking everybody's, about it? No, I'm definitely not getting one. But everybody's chiming in like, hey, dude, there's this huge parrot population in... You're right. You said Pasadena. Pasadena yeah. Somebody was like, I lived in Pasadena. It was a complete nightmare. They're really loud. Yeah. But they're awesome, too. But yeah, parrots. Yeah. You I've learned a ton. I mean, just imagine, though. Again, I mean, you said it all. You get your parrot to swear and all that kind of stuff. If they weren't so messy and high maintenance... I'd be all in on a parrot. A parrot is might be the most high maintenance of birds. I mean, you, and and the fact that you, I I would feel like with a cat and dog and all that, there's no guilt in owning a cat or dog, snake, whatever lizard. But a bird, I've always felt the people who own birds, it's a bit rude. Like the bird, there's one thing uh, that a bird does, which is fly, right? I mean, right. one thing, but that's what a that's a bird's way of getting around. Yeah, to take that away from a bird is pretty harsh. Yeah, I feel like Maya Angelou wrote a book about it. Yeah, did she? I know why the caged bird sings. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it wants to fly. Um, and they live forever. Yeah, they live like I think longer Afri- than a African grays live. I think like seventy or eighty yeah. years or something. Yeah. The other thing that uh, advice that I received after that show about protesting. Was if you do the protest nude, do not wear tennis shoes. Why? Uh, aesthetically. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Nude dude in tennis shoes. You not you, a good look. You look spindly, weird. So it's kind of like portion. It is very practical, but when you look at the photos afterwards, you're the dude wearing white New Balances and nothing nude. else. I mean, yeah, it's funny. Not a good look. It's funny because when you said don't wear shoes, it's exactly. Do nude, otherwise nude people wear white New Balances? Because that's exactly the shoe I had in my mind. Was it? Yeah, a white new, <laughs> a pair of white New Balances. Yeah. I think it's a yeah, yeah. That is the shoe of the nude. Of the I think the nude male, the otherwise nude male, wears white New Balances. Okay, or Birkenstocks. Yeah, I, I mean, could see a Burke. I could see that now that you say it, but that's but not that's what a pop- sandal, and that's not, not what popped into my head when you right. said it initially. It was a white New Balance, right? Well, we did get feedback uh, from a mutual friend the other day about uh, footwear. Little coffins for your feet. Yeah. That's what yeah. he said. How did this come up? We were talking, oh, we were talking about sandals, rainbow sandals yep. with Devin on Barrel or Not. And um, I've been running. Part of my COVID kind of like trying to shed the COVID weight, the cooking weight. Yeah, like trying, exactly. Trying to combat all of the cooking that I'm doing in the kitchen. I've taken up running. And, um, Bought a fancy pair of shoes with tons of padding, and that became a topic of conversation. That's all I talked about for about a week. New Balance? Not New Balance. Nike? No. Neither. Asics? Neither. Reebok. Wait, Keep me, going. Okay. You won't even know. You won't Adidas? Even know. No. Fila? No. Uh, Sockney? No, I thought that was Sockoni. Is it? I don't know. I've never heard it said out loud. I just yeah. in my head always say Sockoni. <laughs> Wait a second. I gotta, you won't uh, even know the brand. Oh, I won't? It's like running specific. This is running specific shoes. Yeah, there are. It's a deep, deep world. What is it? It's they're called Hoka 
Oh, one. They're yeah. ugly. They're ugly, but that's they're not a. Is so it running? Ugly. I thought those were like weird Hawaiian waterman shoes. No, they're running. Are you sure? Yeah, it's like two French marathon dudes, runners who developed them. And made Why them. did I think they were Hawaiian? I have no idea. That's lame. Okay. Yeah, they're French, but they are. Uh, I was so apprehensive to spend the money on them, but they are the best thing I've bought in years. You don't like, wear them. You don't wear them when you're not running, though. Strictly for running. Okay. Yeah. But they are freaking amazing. Like I, as soon as I put them on, you know, when you're a kid and you buy shoes and your mom, you go to the shoe store and you run fast. And you try. <laughs> well, to run your fast. mom's like, here, tr- do a lap around the yeah. store. So you're like walking twenty feet to try to decide how they fit yeah. or feel. I lied every time. They always felt exactly the same as every other pair of shoe that I've ever worn. I can never tell the difference. I just always was like, yes, these are good. Yeah. This is the first pair of shoes I've ever bought in my life. I took 20 steps and just thought, well, where have you been my whole life? Wow. But yeah. but why don't you then wear them around? Because they're so ugly or because it wrecks the it wrecks them? Um, They're probably just because they're so ugly. They're hideous? They're really ugly. Okay. Really ugly. And they only make them in the most like uh, flamboyant colorways. Yep. So you just, you cannot get a cool looking pair. Okay. And they're like real bulky in weird places. They're terrible, terrible to look at, but great running shoes. Anyways, there's this whole other counter movement about barefoot running. So we had a buddy chime in via text message the other day and he said, as you know, I'm chronically injured and I am a chronically injured individual who is otherwise in very good health. Just over a year ago, after my fourth back surgery, Taylor Knox urged me to go see his muscle activation technique therapist. Among the many life-changing lessons this man has taught me, one of the most important has been going barefoot whenever possible. Other than the odd times at the beach or around the house, the needs for our feet to spread out, strengthen, and literally absorb nutrients from the earth are mostly held back. That's why our feet look so hammered and ugly when we get older. I've heard it said that most, the most perfectly designed machine is the human foot. Regarding flip-flops, the same therapist once wrote an entire paper about how they are the absolute worst things that you can wear on the bottoms of your feet because of how unnaturally they cause you to step. It took him about 20 minutes to break me of my habit and never wear flip-flops again. Over the past year of gradual transition, I now go barefoot whenever possible. So the next time you see someone walking around barefoot in the supermarket or on the trail, just realize that they may be on to something. Cheers, boys. Keep up the good work. I love this man. Love him with all my heart. But I say back to him, it hurts to be pretty. Bare feet are ugly things and should be stuffed in those coffins. And even if it hacks years off your life and pleasure off your days, get those feet in shoes. Maybe they're only ugly because you've been having them in coffins your whole life. Doesn't matter. When I see somebody walk into the grocery store with their dirty feet, uh, it's just because it's it's maybe those people have convinced themselves that it's a health thing, but it's always an aesthetic thing too. You never see a well-dressed person walk into the store barefoot, right? You never I've, see I've never seen a it. suited man, a you know, well-kept woman, ever. They're always grungy hippies. Well-kept or kempt? Either way. She okay. could be, I mean, if she's well-kept, it would mean she was a nice mistress. Exactly. Dressed, Very different meaning. Of course, but both dressed well. A well-kept woman and a well-kempt woman would both be well-dressed. Got it. If you're okay. a, so it still applies. If you're an upscale mistress... You're not wearing barefoot in the store. You're not a no. There's never been a grungy hippie who was also a powerful mis- mistress. Good point. Yeah. Point taken. Uh, how do you feel about his thought about 
absorbing nutrients from the earth. I mean, I agree. I agree on all of it. Uh, Practice. Practically, I think that I mean I think there's something to I don't know about absorbing necessarily, but why not, right? But that is part of the theory is that you want there's like a metaphysical kind of connection with Mother Nature that you want to be connected to. Well, I mean, sure. Isn't isn't the Earth magnetic and aren't our bodies magnetic? I think at a very basic level, if you physically are connected to the Earth, or even you know, I mean, electricity. Say you're in a pair of shoes and you get struck or hit with lightning. Doesn't that stop the current? The rubber on the sole of a shoe would yeah, interrupt it. Exactly. And yeah. so, you know, and that's a bad thing that you can get shocked to death. But also, to this fine friend's point, if the electricity is going through you sans shoe, then I would imagine other kinds of currents are traveling up from the earth through you, right? Yes, I would think so too. It is. It sounds hokey, except it makes perfect sense. Sure. And then when you think about, like, the moon... Uh, sets the ocean tides right like the lunar phases swing the ocean and our bodies are what 90 percent water how could it not affect us completely in some way completely so yeah that makes sense uh i think though his point was more about wearing sandals more than barefoot he was saying how bad sandals are for you and obviously he was saying barefoot's good too uh but it does even though it's just a flat, almost like a non-surface, it does force you to step differently. I mean, and you're doing I drag my feet differently. Sure, and you're doing different things with your toes to keep yeah, them on and all that exactly. kind of stuff. You're taking a, a very unnatural step. I mean, to me, sandals are worst of all worlds, right? Like, if That's you're going to be barefoot, be barefoot. If you're going to be shod, wear shoes. Yeah. There's no place in this world for sandals. Yeah. I think that's what my takeaway from that whole conversation is. Yep. I'm still going to wear my fancy running shoes when I'm running. Um, cause by the way, it's reduced my level of fatigue. I had some weird issue in my knee has completely gone away. So like the shoes serve a purpose going out in public, wear shoes. So you don't horrify other people. Otherwise but when you're around the house barefoot, see, that's the, f- I, I always put shoes. The first thing I do in the morning, put pants and then shoes on. Like I, I'm always hmm. shod at home. You have uh, house slippers. No, I just hmm. put on my shoes, hmm. which is, which is probably gross and a bad habit, right? I should maybe not do that. I hmm. should have house slippers. You're right. Well, I have a shoe segment later in the show that we'll get to. But the first thing that I want to open with is uh, huge news for you and I. Massive. Our show went up 50%. This podcast went up 50% in value this week. Devin Howard? Nope. Does having Devin That's make true. It 50% more valuable? Consider it now 75% because of Devin. Uh, Joe Rogan, license with Spotify to the tune of $100 million. Joe Rogan did a $100 million deal with Spotify. Yes. His show will only be available on Spotify moving, I think, uh, in September forward. It'll only be available on Spotify. So we are now, plus Devin Howard, 75%. What would you value the Surf Splendor Network at? Ah. Now Now knowing that there's $100 million out there. Well, that's the thing. Now this looks like, and like that really sets a precedent. But I will not give you a number because you, I, we can I, go. I just don't know. Over a hundred million. Real quick, funny thing. Where do you know the country that developed or invented? I suppose Spotify. I just learned this. I have no idea. Take take a stab. Where did Spotify come from? Uzbekistan. No. I'll give you two more. It could be the United States. Think of all the places in the world. And Canada. It'll make perfect sense once I tell you. 
Um, not Canada. Nope. Jeez. Good guess. I, I don't know what would be um, what would make perfect sense. Sweden. Okay. It's this. I mean, doesn't like when I found out that it was a Swedish thing, because the design is so simple and so functionally perfect. It's exactly like everything else those Scandinavians do, right? Yeah. Clean design. Yeah. That serves the purpose. I mean, you know, it's this whole Scandi's invented cell phones for pity's sake. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah. Dang. But uh, yeah, it's funny. Along that note, uh, that's why EDM, electronic music, is popular now around the world is because it's so popular in Scandinavia that and there's so many Spotify users yeah. in Scandinavia that it bumps EDM up in the algorithms of mm-hmm. Spotify and so now people around the world are served EDM and like it apparently and ask for it themselves by name because Spotify is Swedish that's interesting mm-hmm. I so Spotify took me a while to come around to it but I am all in for sure. the last couple of years that's all I use and um I was talking to my brother the other day and he like he bought something on he bought a song on iTunes and paid a dollar for it. I was like, why would you buy a song? Yeah. He goes, What do you mean? How do you get your music? I go, I stream it like everybody else. Yeah. He goes, Well, isn't it expensive? Like and I go, No, it's Spotify, my deal with them is five bucks a month. And I obviously you get unlimited everything and there's no limitations to what so how, I mean, the fact if you would have told me when I was a kid that you could spend five bucks a month and listen to whatever you want, whenever you want. At that time, I was listening to K-Rock and trying to record mixtapes by pushing play and record on when the boombox. When the song box. came on. Yeah, I'm like yeah. hoping that they would play back or whatever yeah. I wanted to hear that day and try to catch it at the beginning of the song. Like the fact that this is at our fingertips now and it's five dollars a month is un- an unbelievable deal. But Spotify wanting to bump people into their premium content and just be recurring revenue for them guaranteed all the time they're making acquisitions like this wow. so they bought they bought a podcast network last year called gimlet for 300 million dollars and it was a whole network of podcasts and then this joe rogan deal just was released this week but apparently joe rogan was doing 30 million dollars a year in ad revenue which is legit so um but 100 million i don't know how long this deal is for but it's just a licensing deal for his stuff to be only available on their platform. I have a feeling they're still going to sell ads against it, but so does this does this take uh Rogan off of YouTube and stuff now too? I, was... I think so, yeah. Okay. I think so, and that also makes me wonder if you if Spotify is going to get into visual medium as well. Sure. Cuz they already kind of do. There's a few like if you listen to, I don't know, something new and popular, um it'll often have like a music video in the background going. It just automatically and so i'm wondering if they'll also incorporate some of that i'm still stuck on pandora i gotta get i mean oh we, ha- gosh, we have dude. i know we have spotify at the house i think it's it's one of those things the battle over spotify is we have uh one i guess spotify account even though it was a fan is a family account but somehow nobody can figure out how to get it to be a family account and so we'll be listening and then it'll you know, on the Google Home or whatever, and then I'm sorry, your Spotify account is being where it's ooh that stepdaughter got in. So the, <laughs> it'll be Spotify war, where her and I will go back and forth for an hour, just kicking each other, kicking off. each other off. Yeah, it's that's fun. That's but hilarious. It's time for me just to get my own Spotify account and get off Pandora. Yeah, again, five bucks. Pandora's um, embarrassing. And the other thing is the algorithm is smart. So like it gives me a Discover Weekly playlist every week that's curated specifically for me. And I find new music on there all the time. What, what have you What have you been listening to this week? 
Uh, I could read it to you. I mean, I don't even know. Um, it's often things that I've never even heard of before, you know. But the fact that they do it weekly is actually really nice. So on there, some of the Valerie June, the Rolling Stones, Luke Temple, Neil Flynn, LCD Sound System, Jeff Buckley, I sat next, Sean Colvin. What's the LCD Sound System guy's name? Uh, he's like fat and unkempt. I sat sat next to him in Aspen for a breakfast. Him and his family, and he was so James Murphy. I think. Oh, okay. He was so such a foul creature. Really? It was like only he and I in the restaurant for some reason, or he and I and his family. And I was just looking at him, thinking, "You are a gross, gross man." Like That's he was funny. just pale and fat, and had crumbs on his beard. And his kids were like not cool. Like I mean, or I think he had one. I don't know why I thought it was a baby. So that was pretty rude of me to judge his baby. <laughs> but I thought it was ugly. And he had his nanny. That baby's not cool. Yeah, no. He had his wife and his nanny, and it was just he looked just unhealthy and lame. That's funny. Yeah. Um. So this made me think, though. This Rogan deal obviously made me think about. What it means, again, bigger picture, there will be acquisitions taking place. There's all of this, these new surf podcasts that have come out of COVID-19. Thousands. Ton- so many, right? I was just on my favorite yesterday. Which was that? Any Kind Live. And I don't know it. What? Any Kind Live with Kaipo and Pete Mel. Are you kidding? You mm-hmm. did it? Yep. No way. Yeah, it was so fun. Did they reach out to you? Yeah, Kaipo hit me up. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was so fantastic. I don't know if they, I don't think they consider there's a podcast. No. Because so, they, what do they do? They just cut little snippets. I think they just cut little bits out and have little like funny talking points. But I mean, what do I know? I've never watched yeah, it. Yeah, I got so. I got I watched the first couple, I, but I It's love, on YouTube though. It's on YouTube, I okay. think. Yeah. Okay. I think. See, that's what's funny to me is people don't even know like honestly i think damien farinfort started one a couple of weeks ago i think it's called surf center yeah and uh somebody interviewed him about it and he was like i don't even listen to podcasts yeah you know and so it it became aware to me that people just see there's a media platform that's growing at a faster clip than anything else we need to be in that sure but they don't have any experience understanding the platform so i feel like you know, um, there is actually a skill set to it. Sure. And I certainly didn't have the skill set when I got into it, but I just had enough reps under my belt over the course of years that I've probably developed, you know, an ability to do it. But I, I just, I, I'd be shocked to see that a lot of these people survive a year from now. I mean, or but, even care to do it a year from now when they've made no money on it. Sure. And I, hours and hours invested in I it. I mean, it's like, it would be like, I guess, similar if all of a sudden writing blog posts became the thing that everybody was supposed to do and so everybody got into it but then everybody said i don't read like but this is what i'm supposed to do it would, mm-hmm. be, it would be curious how many people would continue to write because totally. I mean, you have to have a love for the thing to do it at some core level you have to enjoy it i think people like talking and maybe there are people who are like good conversationalists and they enjoy talking but um if they're not gaining listeners nor and a revenue, revenue from it. Yeah. How do you justify it for very long? I wonder what the what the thought process is for everybody who's launched a every surf person who has launched a podcast over the last you know whatever let's say last six months to a year. Are they thinking, hey, this sounds really fun? I have interesting things I want to say or inter- interesting people I want to interview. Uh, are they thinking, ooh, we? We're caught flat-footed, you know, by social media or whatever, whatever. We don't want to. We don't want to miss the boat on this thing. I mean, do they? What do they think that 
do they think that I can I can build a big enough audience to make this pay quickly? I mean, or what? What is your thought on why people are beginning? I mean, how many if, surf if, podcasts start a day? It's probably like three a day I know. at launch. I think the barrier of entry is so low that it just feels doable for most people. Yeah. And so they listen to Rogan and they go, I could do that. Yeah, I could I could have conversations with friends and I know these popular people in the surf world. I should just record a conversation and connect with my audience through that medium. But uh, you know, if you once you run out of your A list of friends after three or four weeks and there's no revenue coming in and you need to fill sixty minutes. The other thing is like from an audience standpoint, consistency is kind of important. Sure. So if you are subscribing to it and used to getting something weekly, you want to be able to get it every Tuesday at 10 a.m. or whenever they normally drop it, you know? And if somebody misses the content creator doesn't deliver on that, then there's kind of a fractured relationship there. So there's a level of professionalism that is going to, I think, ultimately decide who does well and who doesn't in it. But, uh, I mean, I suppose it's kind of nice that democratic nature is the audience will decide. Totally. uh, With this, the audience will decide what, I mean, I feel... Maybe I'm wrong, but podcasts are is such a nascent thing still. Yeah, where where like the algorithms probably aren't pushing one over the other yet, right? I mean, it's not like a website where your life is ruled by algorithms. Correct. Which Correct. is which is nice. Yeah. Well, uh, congrats to Rogan. I think that's a huge deal. I love seeing it. It's good for us. Completely and uh, good rising, for the surf industry. Rising tide. Um, it'll be interesting to see how surf media kind of writ large or surf legacy, you know, spending, for example, like we've had, um, I, uh, podcast ad revenue has been slow, slower than I expected from the surf industry specifically. Sure. Like I've had more support reach out from outside of the surf industry than I have from inside of the surf industry. I mean, the surf industry is such a dinosaur for all this stuff. Though. I feel it's like last on to social media, last and on. And I've tried to convince new. them. Yeah. I've, I've like talked to people and like, hey, you should be involved. This is how we could do it. We could make it specific for you. Here's all the unique benefits from doing this thing. And, um, yeah, they're just. I think. I think the problem is that the surf industry has kind of been seizing up in the amount of time that we've been doing the podcast. So their spending is lesser and lesser every year. Sure. And then this is a new thing, and so it's hard to break the budgets out. Yeah. But also, I yeah, mean, yeah. I just think there's so people just have no idea, right? Like they do. They have no idea. And so, and if they don't listen to podcasts, they're completely unaware of it. As you know, they maybe have read something that it's this new, but they don't even know how to begin how to engage with that audience even though it's not hard at all it's a real plug and play in a podcast it is yeah uh well you know who speaking of brands speaking of footwear you know who i think is going to be the kind of come out of this coronavirus as the gangster vans totally i mean but they were always were I know. They're the OG. They're the original gangster. It is an unsinkable ship, this fans. I just really... Their presence now is more prominent than it ever used to be. So there's a bunch of factors at play. And the value of a contest surfer shrunk in 2020 faster than it's ever shrunk in the history of surfing. It's almost down to zero, I would imagine. Yeah, totally. A contest surfing machine... Has Felipe zero, Toledo has almost no value right now. Correct. Better go out and start hammering clips. Exactly. So while that thing happened, you look at um, the vagabond. I maybe it was on Beach Grit talking about using the term free surfer. 
Mm. Not like that yeah. is like a trite and it's tired. So not using, I'm going to use vagabonding uh, pro surfer who self-generates content Bootstrapping. In, in place of the word free surfer. Um, they're seeing a resurgence sure. right now more than they ever have before. When you look at Van's team, Dane Reynolds, Wade Goodall, Harry Bryant, by the way, who's kind of amazing in terms of up-and-comer. Um, then you've got old-school guys, Nathan Fletcher, Joel Tudor, Alex Nost coming up team. behind Joel Tudor, a the Godowskis brothers who are doing you know pseudo-philanthropy, Michael February from a style standpoint, the Florence brothers. The team is unbelievably robust. Stacked. And the skate team too, right? Yep. So, and Dane now doing chapter 11 wade dropping pentecostal pentecostal was pentecostal a vans film it was they vans under under writ i don't the budget yeah they got behind the distribution of it okay and they sponsor wade so yeah. i don't know if they said hey we're going to give you this budget to I'm work sh- on this for two years or we're just going to pay your salary i'm sure you had budget i'm okay. sure you had film budget yeah okay so all of those things kind of are going to thrive through are are thriving them even hosting the viewing party sure. for the movie was a success it was a great marketing move so they're just really really and by the way then look at it from a selling product standpoint their e-com was more robust than any of these other brands so as things as retail ceased to exist 2 or 3 months ago Everybody's trying to pivot towards e-com. But really, are you going to go buy a Brixton shirt from Brixton.com other than just to be supportive of Brixton? You're not really going to do that for the long term. Whereas Vans, people were buying Vans on Vans.com prior to this. They're going to continue doing for it. You can get customized Vans with your dog's face printed on the toe of the shoe. You know, like they have all these really cool ways that you could use their website that actually make it more valuable than going into a store. And you don't, yeah, you don't need to go try on shoes. You know, no. you're a size 10. Especially from that that company that sure. you've been buying from since you were 10. I wonder how many of the Vans standalone retail shops are going to shutter after after life goes back to normal. Probably a, a good percentage of I them, think. I would think. Yeah. And for the record, Chaz is wearing Vans right now. And this was not... Uh, discussed prior i I mean i shit talk vans on beach grit i uh, not regularly but like when when they pulled the hong kong shoe yeah oh you bastards like you you are a this is what you should be standing for is protesters you know fighting against totalitarian right totalitarianism so i'm not even a fan of the brand but yeah wear vans well somebody emailed or messaged me during this past week and was like i think it was when we were talking about rainbows and they're like the Vans and Rainbows are the two brands that like a nine-year-old girl can wear and her 45-year-old dad can wear and both look cool wearing them. And neither, and it's it's not like part of either's identity. Like I think when, you know, like Rip Curl and all this kind of stuff became the identity of a, say, man, you know, some 20 years ago. So now the kid looks at his aging father wearing rip curl and things lame i don't want to wear that right which vans doesn't have that problem i don't think vans are anybody's identity they're just a shoe to wear that looks great no matter kind of who you are they have a great shoe for you they feel good they're inexpensive relatively inexpensive you know fairly priced is vans going to come on is vans going to pay the surf splendor network 25 million dollars perfect segue yes vans here's looking at you Dude, you want to be in on this? You've always been core. This is this is your home. Podcasts. 
the grit presented by Vans. It's perfect. We're here for you. Also, Let's work it out. I will stop talking shit about <laughs> you bending over and letting China just stick it right in. <laughs> you should never agree <laughs> to stop talking crap. I never will. I'm for, sorry. For a paycheck. Nope. I never, ever will. You would lose all your value. Of course. Of course. And Vans needs to hear it too. That's the funny funny thing. Back to Kaipo and, uh, and Pete. So wonderful to see their faces again. It's funny how almost put a tear in my eye. How obviously we joke and laugh and cajole and I've written no less probably than a hundred beach grit stories making fun of For sure. World Surf League announcers and poking fun and prodding, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. To see their faces again made me realize how much I missed them. Uh put a tear in my eye. But uh we were laughing, they were laughing, and see they said uh, Kaipo or Pete, I can't remember, I think it was Kaipo said you know, all the time, like asked, how does Beach Grit ha- know what's happening in the WSL, right? Like, I mean, do you have a mole? And I said, well, a mole? We have multiple moles. And caused a lot of laughter. And then Kaipo said something about, uh, you know, people will come up all the time to us and say, you know, when Beach Grit runs something mean or whatever, and say, don't worry, nobody reads it. Nobody reads it. It's just a small circle. Like, Kaipo's like, well, you're reading it. So, said, everybody <laughs> you're reads the fourth it. person that yeah. told me today that yeah. nobody reads it. Yeah, that's real funny. Real <laughs> that's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, what did you guys talk about? Uh, what did we talk about? We talked about... Did they just uh, want to know about Beach Grit? No, we just had a right. chat. Yeah, it was like wh- how to make the tour better. Okay. With funny, like, it seems like, to for my money, Kaipo, Pete, Turpel, all of them, except for Pots, are... I even Pots. I'll throw Pots in there. Are great assets for the brass for Elo and the boys to reach down to and say, Hey, what do you, how do you think this should be? You guys have been sitting in the booth watching this stuff. You watch, you know, they watch more professional surfing than anyone, right? Other than maybe long top, like have been Kaipo, Pete, Turpel, Ron, all these guys have been boots on the ground for what? For the entire iteration of the world surf league, more yep. or less. Um, it seemed per conversation yesterday, they have no say as to how this thing should look like, you know, so we were just batting around how it should look like you and I do like, yeah, you know, it should, they should cut the draw down to 20. They were just nodding like, yes, yes. It needs to be able to finish in one thinking how in the world does the world surf league Santa Monica not have you guys just more or less, you know, they know exactly what, you know, they, they feel exactly like we do. Yeah. Uh, that was an interesting takeaway. The other interesting takeaway was I was talking about the wall of positive noise and, you know, like them just being conduits for that. And Pete mentioned how often uh, they'll get a tap on the shoulder after the day's done. And it seemed, he wasn't specific, but it seemed like from WSL Brass, not from individual surfers, getting busted for talking shit. Where, yeah. And so Elo with this faux mandate of they say whatever they want we want them to say whatever is it a bald-faced lie bald-faced lie yeah they're getting wrangled those guys are getting wrangled daily to keep the positive messaging you were too harsh today they would have to be yeah you i mean there's no way yeah there's no way you say what they say right unless there is a tap on the shoulder and there were the regular tap on the shoulder when pete said something like half the time i don't even know what i was saying and I'll get the you went you went over you crossed the line. Right. How crazy is that? That's insane. Elo. Yeah. yeah. We also drank to Elo. We toasted Elo. Yeah. Yeah. What What was the toast? 
like that he's doing a good job no. or like that he just takes a lot of heat and that he stuff. takes that he takes a lot of heat yeah. that that so far he hasn't gone into a shell like that he gets kicked around and the That's... fact that I, I can still text him right like i'll text him and get a response within like you know a couple hours if i text elo i mean i should be my number should be blocked elo should have written this off years ago uh but the fact that he still comes to play Dude, he is asking. I mean, this morning he posted an Instagram of himself surfing that was just embarrassing. Of an actual video? On a video? Shortboard. No, I think it might have been in his stories. I'll screenshot it. I saw uh, his fins. Somebody sent me a screenshot of the fins he was riding. Some well, I sent bizarre. You, Did you send me that? I sent you this uh, conversation that I have with somebody who knows him personally that said he's riding it as a quad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't a photo of it. Oh, no. I got it. Somebody else sent me a fully bizarre looking fin but apparently oh, they said really? he was riding he was riding five which was funny um but no the photo he posted this morning was just the kookiest fo- i mean god if i got this photo from a photographer i would never want it to see the light of day i would ask the photographer to delete it off the memory card and he posts it you know proud of it so he's asking for it um begging for it boom i just screenshotted it gagged it. for it um Okay, at any rate, Gen C just reviewed Laura Enever's new movie, Undone, and uh, very, very favorably. Enthusiastically. Now, I have not seen it because it just dropped yesterday and I didn't have 50 minutes in between now, then and now, and it's also 12 bucks, which I ultimately will pay for it. Um, How do you feel about, number one, Paying twelve bucks to see it, and will you watch it? Yes, I will watch it. I will pay twelve bucks for it, purely and simply to support Laura. I'm a huge fan of what Laura's doing. I love that she was kind of the cute little thing on tour, uh, dropped off tour, and then decided to go charge. Which, I mean, what she's doing is like surfing wise. I mean, it's legit. She's taking legit beatings, and ain't she ain't goofing around. So that is the whole concept of the film. Um, Laura Anover actually gets knocked off tour. So Did she, she get knocked off? Yeah, she, she got, got knocked off. Yeah, yeah. She didn't requalify for tour and for the world championship tour. So then she spends the next year chasing giant surf and documenting it for a film. So here's what I love about this concept. And I haven't seen the film, but the, the tra- concept itself. And the trailer, did you have you watched the yeah. even the teaser is great. Yeah, and I was so I didn't realize that that's what she was working on. Through this past year, we would see images of her charging some massive wave. And in my head, I was like, yeah, but why aren't we seeing video of any of this stuff? Like she must have ate it or she must have like, there's got to, like, I just didn't get it. Well, the reason why is they were holding it all back to make a film. So uh, basically what I love is that she got bumped off tour and she took her career in her own hands. She's sponsored by Billabong. She presumably presented this idea to Billabong and said, look. I'm going to go charge. I want to go charge and I want to document it. And at the end, we'll have a film that we can, you know, put out together. So it's an original concept for a female surfer. I think there's guys who have done similar things. I can't necessarily think of anybody who did it specifically with big waves. Maybe Damien Hobgood to a certain degree. Um, but it wasn't specifically just big waves. And it wasn't to make a film. Yeah. It was to do like big wave world tour, yeah. let's say. So... I love that it's an original concept. I love that she took her career in her own hands, which is amazing. Um, and by the way, this is the correct form for this sort of a thing. Like a 50-minute film is the correct form. Because I was thinking, well, should she have been 
giving us these little doses throughout the year on no. Instagram. No, yeah. she shouldn't because Be- there's a story arc. There's an, it's exactly. She's telling a narrative, a Correct. full narrative that on Instagram, yeah, maybe she paints a picture of herself now as a big wave surfer, but you don't get the narrative arc. Correct. And there is so much of a draw to give people microdoses and or to do a vlog on YouTube where we're going to do episodes and each episode is going to be a different spot that we go to. And I love that she just was like, no, film. no, I'm going to make a film because this relates to the Joe Rogan or a conversation that you asked last week or the week before about kind of um, like the media sensationalizes everything now. But there are these more meaningful conversations happening. And I feel like there's certain platforms that the meaningful, com- like podcasting is great for the meat. It's not as sensationalized and doesn't have a headline, but you can actually have real conversation. And I think that as things get clickbaity and sensationalized, there becomes actually more of a need for the exact opposite. And so while there are Instagram microdoses that are overflowing our feed, that all actually becomes white noise. And the people who actually sit back and create art that you have to, as the viewer, invest in, like Dane Reynolds stuff, like the Vans film, like Laura's thing. And you actually have to not only invest your time, but you have to invest $12 to actually commit to. That is going to have a lot more impact and and uh, power and influence than the microdose as well. So I love that she understood that and saw that and did that. And no, complete, complete stand and applaud even before seeing the film. And, and yeah, Gen C wrote a fantastic review uh, of the film and yeah, couldn't have been any more hyped on the thing. And not since Kelly unveiled Surf Ranch af- the day after Adriano won his world title, have we seen such a thunder thief? Carissa Moore drops Riss last week, free, her winning a world title, and boom, this week Laura drops something that I'm going to argue is going to blow doors on Carissa's. Thing. I mean, I think I think everything I've heard is that Carissa's film again is it's just, already over, and the story just wasn't there. That yeah. there was not enough meat on the bone. Where Laura's presumably a lot less of a budget thing, uh, and Laura also not a world champion. It's not like you'd think if you stacked up the you know on paper we have Carissa Moore a film about Carissa Moore winning a world title versus a film about Laura Enovar surfing bigger waves big waves I would have said oh yeah you know the one that would crush on paper is Chris Moore winning world title the fact that Laura went and slapped it out of the park for probably a tenth of the budget right again bravo well the other thing that I love is I was lamenting last week about Carissa's piece that there's not enough free surfing in it and that just at large for female professional surfers, there's not enough free surfing. Like why hasn't somebody staked the claim as the female professional, again, vagabonding uh, pro surfer? The, you'd think that one of them, a mid, I mean, even a Steph Gilmore at this point, what if she just said, okay, I'm done with, you know, the tour is never gonna come back or gamble at least, make the gamble that the tour is never gonna come back in a meaningful way. Uh, I am going to go rip a beautiful i'm gonna go surf j bay i'm gonna go surf you know get some big french beach break barely kind of stuff go surf wherever right like i would pay for a steph gilmore surfing her favorite waves like and you know almost a not a director's cut but a writer's cut like her Mm -hmm. best ride what she perceives as her best rides at her favorite waves yeah 
I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you pay? Totally. Five bucks. We wouldn't for... even have to pay for it. Look at Craig. An- just follow the Craig Anderson's model or any other pro surfer that came before. You yeah. know, or Dave Rostovich. The list goes on and on. Back to Tom Curran, all the way. It's funny so, if if there's a movement towards this. Uh, I wonder how WS. I mean, it's it would be even another smat like giant ding against the WSL for being able to move forward reasonably. Like if yeah. the if the best surfers are thinking, okay, it's this is a wrap. Tours, tours a wrap. It doesn't mean anything anymore. I'm just gonna go win the content game. Yeah, I'm gonna go do an award-winning film. Well, now, now is the time to really stake the claim. You'd think. And uh, Laura, her timing worked out perfectly for when she was gonna release this because it's kind of radio silence from a WSL standpoint. So she, there's a lot of market share that she can gather, for lack of a better term. However, bringing it back to the WSL, Tyler Wright also. Uh, Opened up in, finally. Was in the news this week. Opened up ish. Opened I think. up about what? About I mean, she opened up about her sexuality first, right? Yeah, I mean, kind of. Uh, Wasn't I mean? Did I read that wrong? Did no, she, no, you're right. She, she meant her girlfriend, right? As in girlfriend. Yeah. When she never. She never spoke about her sexuality at all. It seemed like more or less a no no to talk about. And then yeah, and open up about what what happened during these tumultuous last. What, three years? Four years? How long has it been? How long has she been Two. a mess? Yeah. Two years. Oh. So yeah. What did you think? Um I wanna I think there it left more questions than it gave I think, answers. I mean, I think so too. I yeah. think the Wright family feels like there's something obviously something there, right? For sure. There's a lot there in the Wright family. Uh and I wonder if it will ever unravel. Or if they have tight enough control over the family narrative that everything will stay more or less secret. Well, look, it's incumbent upon surf journalists to get to the bottom of whatever it is that you are alluding to. Because the WSL, it's not their job. I mean, they won't touch it. They won't. They have no incentive to touch it. And it's also not their job. Mm -hmm. Number two, the sponsors have actually incentive to not Tell oh, completely. what's going, what, I mean, the, what's going they, on. The, the sponsors have incentive to continue to spackle up the wall. Correct. So what are they spackling over? We don't know or I don't know. But it is suspect that the three, you know, they have three world-class surfers siblings in this family. And all three of them had ha- have had to sit out for over a year in the peak of their prime and competitive career and all that sort of stuff due to... Injury and really suspect injury, by the way. Very suspect injury. You know, so um, what is really going on there? And I don't know the Tyler Wright thing. I don't know. I should have actually researched post-viral syndrome as it relates to influenza A to find out. Like, is that a normal? Does it normally take two years to or a full year to recover from that? It may. I mean, this this is the whole thing is like with from Owen's brain bleeding to Tyler's thing, right? Where from Owen's brain bleeding from a duck dive, right? Not from duck diving pipe, duck diving pipe, not hitting his head from duck diving. That's never happened in the history of surfing around the world. Does it, is it possible that it could happen? Yes. Yes. Is it, but now, is it likely? No. And the fact now stacking Tyler's thing up with that, is it possible that that happens? Yes. It's totally possible that her disease 
you know, it has all of those ramifications, et cetera, et cetera. But now we're stacking two of them, Tyler's thing and Owen's thing, with a bunch of smoke around Mikey. Uh, Mikey had a back injury. Yeah. Like... Kept him out for a year. For a year. Which, okay, now, does this... Do all three things happen to... Again, yes, but what are the odds? Low. Very, very, very low. Limited to none, And there's a bunch of whispers about the Wright family in general. A bunch of... Yeah, that's all salacious and whatnot. But here's the thing, though. Is it... Are they enough in the public eye to make or to make it incumbent upon surf journalists to go dig dig this story out? Or are they mostly private a private family and they should be left alone? Uh, no, they're not enough in the public eye for people to care outside yeah. of the surf world. But is it incumbent upon surf journalists? Yes. It I mean the really the surf journalists, I would argue your job. Yeah. Because I don't job. want to, I don't want to do it. Uh, your job is you're the man of the people and the yeah. people want to know. Do the and people so it doesn't matter. Yes. Okay. Yes, let's, okay I'm going to put it out here right now. If people care about this story, about the right family, I'll start digging. I'll start yeah. asking around and sorting out this the right saga. I would argue that this would be the biggest story in surf. If there really is something going on, if like you said, there's spackle on the wall and there is something behind that spackle. This would be the biggest surf story. Uh, it'd be a game changer. But what if what if the end result is all that happens is you more or less rip a family apart, like expose all the dirty laundry, expose all the whatever weird secret stuff is there, uh, just for what? To what end? Right? Are you a journalist or not? You're not. I, I feel like that's not a decision that a journalist makes. The journalist's job is to tell the truth. I guess so, but isn't there, isn't it a truth towards an end? Yes. I mean, and the end is just the truth. The end is we, these are public figures who are not, who was a world champion, who's now not coming back to uh, defend her title. We want to know what's going on. And the public has a right to know what's going on. Public's right to know. Okay. I don't know. Does the public have a right to know? See, that's... I, I, I do think the... Pu- I don't know if the... Pu- like, the thing with the rights, like, is the level... If if Owen and Tyler and the whole family was... The problem, and not that it's a problem, but I guess where I hang up is they seem straddling the line between private and public, right? Yeah. Like, where... So that that's the if they were if they were, if it was Kelly Slater say no problem Kelly Slater is a you know public figure full stop has made millions being a public public figure if he's going to be hiding things or appearing to be hiding things or being less than let's say transparent then I think all day every day right but do the do the rights reach Kelly Slater level well they. Don't and they also aren't like pulling the limelight towards themselves. Sure, there's certain figures who I think are, you know, um, I don't know, doing really trying to be like an Instagram celebrity. Let's say, sure, like the Coffee Sisters, precisely, or somebody like that who's like really trying to wrench the spotlight into their 
onto themselves. Whereas the Wrights are phenomenally talented athletes but who are never, winning events. But never did that. But never, yeah. Like the fact they that competed. the fact that Tyler Wright had a girlfriend for a year and didn't t- talk about her until after they broke up is an indicator that she values privacy sure. to a certain degree. So you're right. The public, the public has a right to know, but again, at what expense? Where for me, yeah. the right family really straddle that line. There, yeah, it makes it a little conflicting. The other thing is, um, what is it that is spackled over? Is it there? Is it a crime? Is it like, uh, you know, like for example, the Catholic Church covering up priests Child. molesting Precisely. children? Well, there's now a greater good that we have to uncover there's a protection for society that we have to kind of that we're responsible to with the right family if it's just personal struggles then that is personal that's i mean that's what i think right what you what you uncover more or less like if for sure if they were involved in some criminal enterprise then well fantastic let's get get to the bottom of that story if what they're spackling over is you know very whatever just family struggle uh, that they're unwilling to be honest about publicly, then to so to what end? I agree with you. You, you at break, that point, I agree. You break this whole story open. X that you know they're doing X, Y, and Z, which is why X, Y, and Z. All of these, you know, you lay it bare. So what? So you taught the rights. Better be honest. You no, I agree. You have a great clicky story. But again, but it does straddle the line. Maybe that is the role of you are public-ish figures. Uh, you are being, at best, you're being very opaque. Uh, you know, I don't, it's a, it's the rights again. They've they've twisted me for years. Well, so I think you can, as a journalist, investigate and find out information and then you decide if that information is criminal or has some yeah uh, value to shedding a light on because it does create some level of protection for society or some victim or whatever then you can release the information if it only is personal information about somebody's personal struggle then that probably doesn't have any value out in the media but a tough one a real pickle. You'd have to get the information to make that decision. Though. A real, but I mean, even information, it's, yeah, information is difficult to parse. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if anybody wants to watch that 60 minute video of uh, 60 <laughs> minutes, media outlet did a 20 minute video on Tyler Wright. Um, that is available on beachgrid.com. Uh, one thing that I've been meaning to ask you about for weeks is your new book. Do you yeah. want to talk about that? Sure. Are we ready to hype it? Is it available for pre-order? It's available for pre-order. Oh, pre-order, okay. yeah. It comes out in July. Oh, soon. Soon, yeah. Two months away. What is the name of the book? The, the name of the book is Reports from Hell. Reports from Hell out in July. This is your third? Third. Third officially published book. Yep. And uh, what is it about? This one is pre-sort of surf stuff. I spent most of my time... And days and energy thinking about and going to the Middle East right after 9-11, more or less. So funny now that I think about as it relates to COVID, like when major events happen, uh, the narrative becomes one thing, right? The main narrative for 9-11 was what? That Islamic radicalism was an enemy to freedom. And, you know, this was this was now 
this war on terror was the thing we were entering. Um, and I think back then, post 9-11, I thought, well, hmm, you know, what actually is this, right? Like, what is, what are they meaning? I'd spent time studying in Egypt uh, as an undergrad in college and had spent a bunch of time in the Middle East pre 9-11. And then when that hit, thought, oh, hmm, uh, you know, I know Muslims. I know radicalized Muslims. I know people from the, you know, Muslim Brotherhood and this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, decided to dig in a lot deeper and yeah, spent the next probably five or six years, more or less nonstop back and forth to, to the Middle East, specifically kind of, or mostly, I guess, Yemen. So the book is just two, you know, tip to tail of Yemen a couple times with a uh, Lebanon story thrown in. And is it uh, little short stories from that, those journeys or is it? No, it's a narrative. It's a narrative of sort of the hunt for the real truth behind this alternative discourse behind, you know, what, what did this actually mean? What did Islamic fundamentalism, radicalized Islamic fundamentalism stand for? What did it mean uh, in a sort of face-to-face kind of way? Interesting. So, yeah. Okay. There we go. Um, did you keep a journal through that time that you were like, cause that's a long time ago to be writing yeah. about? No. What were you? No, but thankfully I have two wonderful friends who feature heavily in the book. Uh, and so being able to bounce stuff that they have far greater memories than me is, I mean, I haven't struggled writing something like I wrote this. So I wrote a whole draft of it and then sent it to my buddies and they were like, yeah, that was good. But all like, everything was wrong all the dates were wrong oh, all really? the places so i basically reconstructed with them the exact times and dates of it all and so yeah so that's how that's how it came to be factually factually accurate did you have photographs and yeah day? yeah i don't know if the photos are going to be i think the photos are going to be in the book but yeah we had a ton but of just photos for and stuff. stimulating yeah yeah exactly too. exactly um i found that that like I've, I forget so much. I have forgotten more than like, because I'll see a photograph. I think we talked about this recently, but yeah, I, I was going through photographs recently and I just, one photograph stimulates tons of memories. And then I'll send a photo of it to my mom. And I'm like, do you remember this? Or who was this person? Oh, that's right. And then these things start to unfold and it actually makes me regret not keeping journals and it makes me now map out the next years of my life. Like, oh man, I need to. I document, should keep a journal. Yeah. I need to document things a lot better. It's crazy. Because it's a shame that and how are gone. important, like life-altering, big things, mm-hmm. just mist of time gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like recreating sort of what happened. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't believe how much I had forgotten. Where, again, thankfully, both my great friends have like steel trap memories, and so anytime they differed then we could all work it out together but just mining their memories for my own uh i was like oh i'm so if they died i'm done i won't remember anything in this covid kind of quarantine time has shifted my perspective and warps time you know and all of that in a really really unique way to where um yeah it just makes me value it resets values on kind of essentials and makes me want to yeah document those things and completely i mean and yeah so so yeah that's what that book is but i think it's i i was thinking oh it's 
pre-COVID, that I guess it'll be relevant-ish because there's a you know massive civil war in Yemen right now and all this kind of stuff. So I was thinking, and Yemen, I mean, I probably as a me and friends as white dudes have probably traveled more in Yemen than any other Westerners that I can think of. I mean, it's we went deep and far and a lot uh, for a long time. Um, and I thought, oh, it'll be relevant because of, I guess, if it's relevant, it'll be relevant because there's the civil war. But I think it's relevant more so because of COVID, just because the way narratives start stretching out, like that, you know, the whole world, something shifts it, and then this narrative takes off. But is the narrative that we're being told actually a proper, true narrative, or is that just the narrative that has been decided upon? And so this is where the, you know, the media and everybody will just walks along this way. This uh, is our, this is now our story. Did you answer that question? Do you have an answer? I mean, per the war on terror. Yeah. Like as a, that, you know, the narrative that was being strung out for everybody is, I was absolutely incorrect at completely. so many, at so many levels, completely. At, at multiple different levels in multiple ways where the reality of it, you just don't have a neat narrative, right? Like there's no clean line. And, I mean, I had so many discussions in Yemen with like proper Al-Qaeda operatives, right? Where we're sitting there fighting about this or that or the other thing or arguing about this, that or the other thing. Like where, again, back then it was so almost simpler because the enemy was a person. The enemy was an idea, right? It was theoretically. The, the enemy was radicalized Islamic fundamentalism. But people are radical Islamic fundamentalists. And so you could have a debate with a person or a talk with a person or an interaction with a person. With the whole COVID thing, the enemy is a little virus and you cannot have a discussion with the virus. Like, Yeah, yeah, that, it's entirely true, except uh, the politically, they will always find a figure to attach it to. So it became... Doctor. Osama bin Laden. Oh, or, exactly. Or first it became Saddam and sure. then Osama. And it's kind of like the it's easy for the media to conflate the general theory that you're talking about, the overall idea and ideology with that one person. Yep. And if you're not a critical thinker, you're just like, oh, yeah, that person, this thing, go get them. Yeah. And they're not related at all. Completely not. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's complicated and, and it's, I mean, there's threads and facets and angles and all of it which right. so to be on the ground in Yemen during those times I mean I'll, I'll always be thankful but it was so it was so hard to write just because it actually meant something to me like yeah. as much as surfing means to me you know whatever writing about surfing is easy this was a I mean I think I wrote probably three or four whole different versions of it before yeah settling on the one that came out or is coming out well um Reports from Hell, available for pre-order on, I would presume, Amazon. Would Amazon right everywhere. Place. But if you do it through the publisher's Rare Bird uh, out of L.A., then you get a signed copy and it earlier if you order through there. And I think it's Good. the same cost as so Amazon. So do it on, what do you know their website? I think it's rarebirdlit.com. Cool. And um, do how different is touring a book at this point? I mean... I mean, book tour last year probably was still nothing compared to what it would have been 10 years ago. But is there any circuit nowadays? I can't imagine there okay. will be. Like, uh, I mean, July. So what I'll probably, hopefully, I mean, at this point, I've done two book-ish tours, West Coast at least, book tours. 
but at this point I know exactly where I know the bookstores that I love which is it's pretty you know simple it's uh, Warwick's down in La Jolla Book Soup in LA and Powell's in Portland mm. and so if I if those are open I'll hit those and that'll probably be it for the for the tour bummer yeah I remember back in the day it'd be like go to Paris for a week and like they pick you up in a car put you up in a hotel yeah doesn't work anymore those days are long gone done um all right. Well, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back with some quarantine rec- quarantine content recommendations. Excited. And barrel or not. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply all right we are back um in regard to quarantine content recommendations things that i've been watching I don't know if you're aware of this lynn shelton died this week there's been two deaths in hollywood in the past week Fred uh, Willard. Yep, Fred Willard crushed me. I didn't Did even it? know. I didn't even know he was so old. I loved Fred Willard. He was like eighty-two or yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he he lived a good one. I didn't. I never knew he was that old. Why did it crush you? I just love. It didn't crush me, but I just love Fred Willard's comedy. He really, really, really made me laugh lots and lots. So it kind of came out of the blue. I didn't. I guess you're right. He presented young. His yeah. energy level was always high. Yep. And presented young, so I didn't realize he was in his 80s. And he was always playing, uh, I mean, his characters he always played were like senile already. Yeah. So I just thought he was young, younger guy playing senile guy. True. Uh, not that he really was senile, but yeah. It True. took me by surprise seeing Fred Willard's death. Yeah, me too. Um, right, up, I don't know if it was the same day or a day or two after, but there's a female fil- filmmaker named Lynn Shelton who does, like, there's this whole kind of movement in the last 10 years of super low budget indie films people who love grew up loving film and deciding just to get into it with access to cheap equipment and being friends with actors so joe swan i don't know what this movement will be called in the future but joe swanberg is one of these filmmakers and uh, a lot of his scripts are improvised so he'll kind of come up with concepts a concept for each scene and then the actors will improvise the dialogue um the duplass brothers mark duplass and jay duplass who have had a lot of success are from this 
filmmaking kind of movement and Lynn Shelton. And she started dating in the last year Mark Marin, who's a very prominent oh, podcaster. Yeah. Yes. So it's kinda of like read about I, this I didn't I didn't understand did she she just like dropped dead. Yeah. Like she was young. Yeah. Otherwise healthy, right? She's fifty. And she didn't have like a there was no underlying thing, right? Apparently it was blood disease. Yeah. So I Again, Nover kind of like saw a couple of her films, didn't love any of them when I originally saw them, but I like Mark Marin. I listen to Marin, and then so I knew who they were dating. So she was in my awareness more because of Marin. And um, yeah, it was like literally they, she got sick, kind of flu like symptoms, took her to the hospital. She tested negative for COVID, and within three days was dead. Yeah. And it just progressed or degressed uh, really significantly in a few days. So what's horrifying about it is like, dude, you can be healthy and then dead Heal in three over. days. I mean, we all can. How scary is that? But it's every. I mean, we can go get hit by a car. We can. Yeah, no. I mean, we live our lives like we're invincible. But that's the only way to live, right? If you're, I mean, I think if you're out expecting death, then you're done. Yeah. Like when it hits you, it hits you, right? Like if you're her, whatever. Like I was. You know, your time's up, punch the clock, you're done. Like, there's nothing you could do to stop it. I know, it's just so sad. It is. It makes it scary. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, I've been watching, this week we've been watching a bunch of her films, and they're way better than I remember them. Like, when I watched them, I was probably half distracted, and now kind of sitting down, can't go anywhere, we're kind of forced to watch them. They're um, heartwarming kind of human stories there's no big car crashes there's nothing that exciting happening but they're real character driven uh interesting stories so um i recommend a few of them touchy feely is great um my sister's sister is also great i've seen my sister's sister yeah mark duplass plays the lead rosemary dewitt is the girl and um i forget emily blunt is the other female lead so great I loved that. So, anyways, those are my recommendations for people. Do you have anything? I got devs again on Hulu. Is, I'll watch it. Is interesting uh, about you know tech and and that. I think it's yeah good. It's like it's a kind of good twisting odd story. Very odd, but very beautifully shot. Very well done. Cool. Interesting. It's got a uh, who's the dude? Who's like the guy who always talks monotone? Who's in Parks and Rec? Uh, Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman in a serious role. Which okay. is interesting to see. Um, yeah, but well cast. I like uh, their, what is it? The Instagram account that takes, they do deep fakes. Oh, yeah. And they use Nick Offerman's face a lot on like a baby, yeah. you know, or somebody. Yeah. It's so hilarious. <laughs> what is it? What's the. I think it's called Deep Fake and Shake or something. Okay. I'll try to find it and send it to you. Okay. But Nick Offerman as. They'll do it with Trump a lot too, yeah. but using Nick Offerman's face, his face is so distinct and funny on a baby, funnier than anybody else's would be. For it's funny reason. how distinctive uh, certain people are. Like Nick Offerman is a distinctive man. He's never yeah. done anything that was like, you know, he plays that monotone role well and everything, yeah. but it's not like he's anything super special but there's just something about nick offerman that is recognizably nick offerman yeah yeah um all right well shall we do barrel or not let's do it close out the show um we had a somewhat ladies focused edition of the grit today between laura enover and tyler Tyler Wright. wright 
Uh, so let's do a Karen-focused barrel or not. Fantastic. Carol, Karen edition. Karen Goggins. Um, <laughs> and the reason why, so I'm obviously cohabitating now. Still good? Everything's great, but we're looking at going out into public again as we come out of COVID. Things are opening up. But your wife is tense. She's been cooped up at home. She's been dealing with a kid. Not stress. Only, not only parenting the kid, but schooling the kid. Yep. Lots of stress. Now she's looking at going out into the real world, dealing with potential germs, all of this, people not being respectful of social distancing. Managers. There's a real threat yeah. that your wife could become a Karen going out into the real world. Not mine. I'm the one homeschooling and stuff. Um, there's a threat that I will become a Karen going out in the world. Oh, really? I mean, that way more bigger threat of me becoming a Karen than the wife. Okay. Yeah. She's just been, I mean, she's been working pedal to the metal hard. I'm the one juggling kid and work. You're going to be a Kevin. I'm going to be a Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> potentially. Um, well, this is advice for those of us trying to support our partners. We don't want them to become a Karen in no. public. So the I'm gonna need you to weigh in on these. Okay. Barrel or Nas. Uh, you come home and your wife has a $75 candle from goop.com burning. Vagina scented. Smells like Gwyneth Paltrow's. Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. Yeah. This is a real thing that exists. Yeah. You come home and your wife has this. Is this barrel or not? Nah? You know, this, you caught me in a moment. Last night, been pulling out the uh, classics for the daughter. We chewed through, I mean... Classic movies? Yeah, classic movies. Okay. But And by classic, I mean, like, not necessarily classic, classic, but, you know, just from childhood and whatnot. Pulled out Shakespeare in Love last night. Uh, watching Shakespeare in Love. It's Gwyneth Paltrow has never looked better than she's looked in Shakespeare in Love. So I'm going to accidentally say barrel here. Really? If you caught me yesterday, I would have said, no, Gwyneth Paltrow is a foul Karen herself of the worst kind. Her pivot to being white Oprah is lame. Uh, Goop is crappy. She does stupid stuff. Dumb, dumb, bad. But ooh, that Shakespeare in Love Gwyneth it's great. fresh in my mind. It's also a great film. Whatever happened to Joseph Fiennes? He, I think he decided that Hollywood, if I recall, he was in a, uh, another great series recently, but I think he decided Hollywood was not for him and ah. went serious theater, like serious theater. Okay, good yeah. for him. And he's also gay. Okay. Which I think wrecked his, didn't wreck, but I think it, I think Hollywood did not like a gay leading man at that point. Strange. Mm -hmm. You'd think Hollywood's the most liberal place in the world. It they is, but I, accepting. I think they can't sell a gay leading man to middle America or couldn't, right. you know, right when he came, when he was most famous after right. Shakespeare in Love. Right. I think the world was not then ready for a gay man acting straight, picking up. What what movie? He's in a, oh, he's in Stinkin' Joseph Fiennes is in a Handmaid's Tale. Oh, he's, you're right. He's the big that's bad right. guy. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So back to this, though, barrel or not, this is a $75 candle. $75. You're, you're, this is the price on goop.com. And listeners, this is not a joke. The candle's uh, scent is... Gwyneth Paltrow. Quote, 
this smells like my vagina. I mean, that's the name of the candle. That's the name of the candle. This smells and like it my smells vagina. like, apparently, Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. So your wife spent $75 on a candle. That's the first part of this. And you're you're going barrel? I'm, I'm sorry. Shakespeare oh Love, gosh. Gwyneth Paltrow is... I mean, I defy somebody to watch... I defy all the listeners to watch even the first part of Shakespeare in Love. It has nothing to do with this. It does. It doesn't. It sets it up. It sets Man. up 75. Who knew Gwyneth Paltrow could make a movie 20 years ago and then sell you a $75 candle 20 years later? She knew what she was doing. Dang. Yep. Impressive. That woman is impressive. Barrel. She, by the way, she is stunningly beautiful. Yeah. I, I was kind of not sold on her initially. It was like Spotify with me where I'm like, she's pretty and she's kind of got a girl next door natural look to her that I could appreciate. As I've gotten older, she's I'm like, regal. She is very regal. And she, I mean, she comes from, she's like as blue blood as this America gets, right? I mean, she's she's come from she's acting stock. Yeah. Bruce Paltrow and her mom was... Who, Blythe Danner. Yeah, Blythe Danner. Yeah, that's true. So It's almost like a royal family. They are. Yeah. But I yeah. hate goop. I hate all of it, except I'm barrel on the candle. You're barrel on the candle. Shocking. Yep. yep. Okay, scenario number two. You enter Seaside Market. Your wife is driving. There's... Uh, an open spot or there's no open spots but a car is backing out your wife waits for that car to exit but before she can get in somebody swoops in a swooper a swoops in takes the spot your wife decides she's gonna block them in and prevent them from exiting when they're ready to leave is this barrel or not tough one here tough one I think COVID has softened me up uh I think my behavior will change coming out of COVID where I'm going to say that's not a barrel. You're saying your wife is wrong. I'm saying she's wrong. I'm saying, hey, this world is a big enough bummer without making more bummers. The bigger person lets go and lets God. The bigger person forgives and forgets. Wow. Yep. But this now puts you at odds with your wife who is dead set on teaching this person a lesson. I'm all about teaching, I was all about teaching lessons. So I would gauge her, if she really wants to teach lesson, I'd have her back all day, every day. I would stand and be ready to swear and cuss, but it wouldn't be coming from my own actual engagement or anger. I would only be backing up the wife. Well, this is the kind of advice that I need. Yeah. Cohabitation, I'm gonna be put in these tense scenarios and I need to know. Oh yeah. There's a right thing to do in this situation, but there's also taking the side of your wife. Taking but there's also this third side, which is your wife's acting like a Karen. Taking taking side of the wife is always like and furthermore, for people who's like if it's a manager or somebody who's working who's like being beat down by the system already and then your partner is piling on, then I think there's a time then to be like, oh, you know, okay, greater good is this person's actual, you know, sensitivity or whatever, or yeah. this this person. It's a so minimum wage employee. This minimum wage employee is just getting berated. It's time for me to figure out how to step in and, and try to redirect fire at least. Uh the asshole who swoop park deserves it anyway. And even if you did want to be the bigger person, you know, whatever, let's not let this bother us. This is, you know, this is beneath us. If your wife gets fired, then you come in guns blazing both barrels. Okay. Like always, always like almost to an absurdist point of making your wife's or partner's rage seem tame compared to yours. Then, 
okay, that is the public display sure. I'm in. Back at home, do you correct in private? I think you say, oh man, wow, we really got into it with that person, huh? Oh, you know, there's one thing I've learned. Life is short and I don't, I don't want to waste my time doing that anymore. I think that there can be a not correction, but just an offering up of an alternative way next time. Yeah, a little hindsight retrospection. Sure. Like, it's just yeah, a, I feel dirty about this. It's just, it was just a way we really spent, we burned a lot of energy okay. on something that was entirely immaterial. That okay. person didn't learn anything. That person, I mean, has COVID not laid bare that 98% of people are assholes? I think what Devin said here, I've carried with me since for a week. Has Devin, was it a week ago? Only yeah. a week ago? Uh, of the you know, the Camus the plague, which I absolutely love, but dig- human dignity is how we are then to act, right? Yeah. Where you look around, people are jerks, they're assholes, they're selfish, and I think more a lot more so in America. I hate to be the person who's no, that's true. kicking my own country, but I think in France and Germany, like there's this level, a general level of respect. It feels like America, and maybe. You know, I'm not going to be the anti-Trump guy, but Trump is such a personally, again, not politically, whatever two listeners, whatever you think politically, fine with me, right? Like I am no anti-Trump political person. I think it's become as silly to be robustly anti-Trump politically as it is to be pro-Trump politically. But Personally, he is a disgusting human being, right? There's indecent any, for sure. There is no way to back Trump as a person. Break away him as president, break away his policies or his Trumpism or any of it. As a person, he is a foul, foul, disgusting man. And his tone has seeped in, I think, to either his tone seeped into the rest of the nation or the rest of the nation produced Donald Trump. Either way, right. we're, we're a disgusting nation, I think, at this point. We're mean, we're mean-spirited, we're petty, we're ugly. There's not a lot of grace or dignity or decency happening in this country, and that is disturbing. Well said. Don't and you agree? I completely agree. It is the He is the uh, polar opposite of Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, exactly. And again, people will hear that. Trump fans will hear uh, that and be all pissy. Who cares? I mean, who does care? But but I don't want it to sound like it, I'm not piling no, on. No, I get it. it yeah. I get it completely. It has nothing to do politically. It is if, like, let, let's get real. For any adult who, uh, even if they voted for Trump, let's say, you could also ask them, would you raise your kids to be that guy? Sure. And the answer would almost indefinitely be no to be across petty, the board. Petty, like mean-spirited, yeah. all yeah. every part so of Trump. So it's fine if you vote for him for whatever reasons, but would you raise your kid to be that guy? Yeah. Probably not. No. You know? He's an ass. So, yeah. He's a wild ass. Yeah. Um, all right. Barrel or not. So this was highly valuable information that you just gave me, by the way. So Always. Thank you for the, that. The, the man or woman who doesn't back their spouse in a fight publicly yeah. is wrong every time. Grounds. Yeah, totally. I mean, you, you back back, 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 and then you sort it out later. So, barreling off, third and final, you drive home from this podcast, you enter the house to the vagina-smelling candle, and lo and behold, in your kitchen, displayed on the wall prominently, is a live, laugh, love sign. Funny. Do you follow Middle Class Fancy on Instagram? Yeah. Uh, 
I've seen it so many times now uh, that I would think it was ironically amusing. I'm gonna go barrel. What I feel that what I feel that middle class fancy has hammered it so hard that it's now jumped into ironically clever. If you had a if you had a live laugh love sign, now you're being ironically clever. Wow. Yeah, don't you think so? It doesn't matter. Even if I came home and my girlfriend did it out of irony, I would have one laugh at it and then we sure. take it down. And you got to live with it. Live, yep. laugh, love. Yeah, dude. You got to live, it, laugh, love every morning when you go into the kitchen. It's nice messaging. It's true. Is it? Live, this, laugh, love. What's wrong with living, laughing, loving? I don't need a reminder. Maybe you do in the time of I COVID. Do. Maybe you start to be a grumpy Gus and you look up and you see your live, laugh, love and you think, ah, forgot. Back on it. Back on the program. Man, this is shocking. You were in support Barrel. of Karen movement. Well, I mean, the Karen, this is the thing, though, like anything, right? The anti-Karen backlash has hit so hard now that, of course, there's going to be, I feel I'm going to be progressive on the pro-Karen movement. I don't want to be a Karen no. on telling on the cops or tattling to the cops or busting down managers, but Karen's living, laughing, loving. Karen's you can't have it both ways you're you're taking speaking with the manager comes with living laughing loving well then you uh, can't separate the two I'm gonna ha- here's I'm- my argument to you is the Karens need the backlash there Karen had had no predator in the wild up until now she was privileged she could hire an attorney she was gonna shame you she was gonna yeah Karen, know, I mean Karen's need to burn Karen's needed a predator and now the predator has emerged in the form of internet shame. Yeah. And this has been a long time coming. Sure. They, they deserve it all. They yes. deserve it all. But I'm still going to, I'm going to say, pile on, keep piling on Karen. But I'm going to start, while Karen gets smashed, I'm going to go dig through the rubble of Karen and take some things that I like from Karen. So you're like, going to go to her dumpster and take the live, laugh, love sign out of her dumpster precisely. I'm gonna and le- hang it on yours. Precisely. I'm going to leave shaming the manager and calling the cops in the dumpster. I'm going to take live, laugh, love and the vagina scented candle out i feel like you could style your hair for the karen cut I'm, you have I'm the exact there. length the exact color i'm almost i could just poof up the back here yep and then put some down here swoop across the bangs exactly yep i could do the karen you got the karen cut yeah. already dang who knew i'm a karen you are you are so close to being a karen you I mean, can transition I've, easily i've screamed at managers before in stores you told us a story at the sushi restaurant exactly one time a karen moment you fully if there ever asked to speak to the manager asked to speak to the manager shame the manager publicly i forgot did i tell you who was in i, I gave the wrong person in it was brian austin green which is now oh, even better relevant and megan fox was who saw me brian austin green and megan fox in a small sushi restaurant, That's saw funny. me stand up and lose my shit and stomp out without paying. Basically and flipping the table over as I went out. And asked to speak to the manager. To the manager. Asked to speak to the manager. Berated the manager. Lost my ever-loving mind wow. in front of Brian Austin Green and Megan Fox. I wonder if they, for sure they talked about it after it was such a scene. But uh, I wonder if Megan Fox, now that she's broken up with Brian Austin Green, has talked to her new boyfriend, Machine Gun Kelly, about it. Uh, I don't know who Machine Gun Kelly is, and I didn't know that her and Brian Austin Green broke up. Oh, that was big news. Was it? Like, yeah. I don't big follow news. that news. Broke up. Um, who's Machine Gun Kelly? I think he's a rapper. Okay. But he's, I think he styles himself as a movie actor, too. Okay. An actor. Uh, I was going to say, 
Brian Austin Green married up harder sure than anybody ever had because he was already 10 years out of his career. Sure. And she was like coming peak, straight in peak. And she was, yeah. I mean, she was the pinup for, she was the object of lust, like pinnacle of lust it, at that moment. I really feel like it actually derailed her career just by being associated with him. Yeah. Right. The, I mean, the funny part is though, reading all the breakup news, which you should read. Uh, so they broke up once before, I think even filed for divorce, reconciled, have three kids, you know, went along, breaking up again. He holds zero grudges. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to say it's over. Who knows what's going to happen, right? I'm happy for her. Like, she deserves the best of everything. Go out, do what you need to do. Hmm. Like, made me think, wow, Brian Austin Green, you, you're either a spineless man who has no self-respect or your spine is so strong that... You don't need, you know, Megan Fox. Yeah, hey, come back when you're ready. Right. Yeah. Uh, so is Machine Gun Kelly, I feel like that's also, she could do better. I mean, The fact sure. that I don't even know who this guy is makes a me think she could do better. trillion percent she could do okay. better. I mean, she is, so again, she has drug Machine Gun Kelly from relative obscurity. I mean, you know, kind of whatever, to now Machine Gun Kelly is leading the tab, leading the tabloid charge. I also don't like... It wasn't Machine Gun Kelly like a mobster back in the day. I don't know. I don't think you can appropriate. I don't. I'm not a fan of people who appropriate other famous names like uh, Sandra Bullock marrying Jesse James. Yeah. I know like, Jesse James was an outlaw. He's not you. Gunslinger. You what can't you, just use the name. What do you propose? Because I think Jesse James' real name is Jesse James, isn't it? I think he was born. Then I'm blaming his parents. Yeah. Yeah. His clearly. Parents. Yeah. So what do you do if you're Jesse James? Name Jesse James. You got to change your name. You could go by Jessica James. Go by Jessica Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Jim. What about Michael B. Jordan? Just adding a B in the middle. I mean, he had to. <laughs> what so else? You, I mean, well, he could have. He could have gone just Mike Jordan. Yeah. If, you're, if you're my, if your name is Michael Jordan, then you've got a couple options. I guess you have one option, which is Mike Jordan. Yeah. Because nobody. Well, what's the B stand for? Just go by the B. Yeah. Exactly. What if it's Brian? Go by Brian, Brian Jordan. Jordan. Moving yeah. forward. Henceforth, I'm Brian Jordan. Yeah. How, it's funny, I heard uh, along this same line, was cruising through the neighborhood the other day and heard some dad shout at his son, hey, Merrick, blah, 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 blah. How oh, many God. How many kids are, I mean, but if you're Britt Merrick and Al, are you happy that there is, there's got to be thousands, right? Or hundreds of children of surfers named Merrick. Yeah, there are. I know two, personally. Do you? Yeah. Oh, I know three. I personally know three, which means there's got to be a couple yeah. thousand oh, yeah. Merricks out there. But you've got to feel pride, if you're Al or Britt, that you made such fantastic surfboards. That's They'll, huge. Nobody's named their kids Lost or Biolus. Mayhem. Yeah, Mayhem. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So the Merricks crushed lost i mean has has anybody named what are, what are some other big board rusty yeah nobody's named their kid rusty nope. based on rusty surfboards nope that's a good point nobody's named hobie. nobody's maybe. named their kid hobie there could be what, a hobie what are the australian maybe one or two yeah but the, probably because they liked the name and then also maybe attached to what what are some of the big australian uh dhd yeah darren <laughs> darren no handley i mean nobody's named their kid handley Nobody's named their kid. Who's the JS real hipster guy? Oh, Hayden. Hayden. Oh, nobody, that would. There's got to be Hayden. But nobody. I've never met one. 
I have never met a Hayden. Yeah. I have never met a Hayden. You're right, though. Merrick. Merrick is... And Merrick's kind of the better name, too. I mean, it were, but it's not really. Like, it's only better because you've heard it enough now as a name where it makes... But it's no more sensible than Mayhem. I mean, Mayhem obviously comes with other connotations, but yeah. That's funny. In the So in the Battle of Boards, the real... The Battle of Boards over Hearts and Minds, Merrick... Is has become Al Merrick or I mean they're Merrick surfboards right? That's all it is. They're Merricks right? Do no, they're Channel Islands. Channel Islands. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. See, wow. What if I mean what a family. Speak. I mean it's a perfect segue to something we should have talked about at the top of the show. But uh, did you ride your mid lane? I did. Oof. I love it. So the <sighs> the jury is in. Jury is in. I mean I had one of the funner days. It was the day one was so sloppy that, but I I thought, oh man, I'm gonna like this board. Day two, it was shoulder high, really peaky. I mean, dropping in and doing a bottom turn again. I really listened. Yeah. I opened my listening ears and did what Devin told me, and the whole thing, like that first bottom turn back up to ten o'clock, or was it supposed to be nine o'clock? Nine. Nine. I went. I was, an hour, I, was, I was an hour late. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's really, really, really fun. I thought I was going to get blown up with such, like, you capitulating asshole. Uh, but almost most of the response was on social media was, yep, welcome to the team. They're yeah. super fun. Well, um, have you ridden any other board since? No. Okay. But depending on the surf today, like, I'm... I am heeding again the wise Devin Howard's advice. When it gets small, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the fishy back out. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm gonna I'm gonna save the mid for shoulder to just overhead. Yep. All right. Good. Well, that's a positive uh, end. I feel good about it. I wonder how many Channel Island mids will sell thanks to this revelation that it's a crazily fun board. I think the category as a whole, not. Channel Islands aside, like the category as a whole is going to see the biggest kind of robust growth, robust growth more than any other category that I could think of in a long time, you know, Yeah. Um, which is a good thing. It's just it's you have more fun. You get more waves. It's easier to surf. It's shockingly maneuverable. But the real truth is I I became what I absolutely hate. It is you say that's fun. It's more fun. I say it's more fun. It is literally quite literally a fun board. It is a fun board. Quite literally. It is a fun board shape. The bane of my existence, the symbol of people who have given up, have they gotten better since then, since the fun board? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the problem is it surfs really, really well. Look, the term should never have been used for those boards back in the day. The term got damaged. Co-opted. Yeah. Well, they used it first, but it was for beginner boards. Yeah. Really, this is fun because... Uh, even when you're surfing your best on a shortboard, you're not doing a reverse or an air. No, no. I'm your not best sur- thing is doing a carve, a I'm good not, carve. I'm not surfing a shortboard to its potential where I feel I am able, I haven't yet, but I feel this board's potential is within my grasp. Exactly. Like I did a, I went, yeah, went too late, hit 10. But like that one up to back, like the way it gripped, I mean, it is maneuverable I really, you know, concentrated on sticking the foot over the fin box, and but it whips around mm-hmm. like they surf. Yeah, 
So it's maneuverable, but it has a ton of stability. And it also, I thought, I thought I was gonna bob on it like a cork, like go out and yeah. just be sitting on top of it, like a. It sinks in the water. Yeah. I duck dive it, like it is a, it is a surf. Yeah. I can't, I can't speak highly enough. I know. Me too. The one I have not ridden, the one that you're, that you've gotten, but I had one from these guys at Album, and it was almost like a shortboard. I mean, it was so rippable, you know. Yeah. But just had tons of benefit. That a shortboard doesn't have as well. I mean, so. that's I'm, uh, when I surf a high performance shortboard, I am leaving eighty percent of that board's yeah. potential on the table. Totally. But again, yeah, the mid, it's right in the wheelhouse. Good, good, good. All right, well, that's great. Uh, your full review, of course, is on beachgrid.com for anybody who wants to see. Uh, one final detail before we sign off. You know what I have scheduled at two o'clock today? A haircut. An illegal. Haircut, Whoa. a prohibition style haircut. Whoa, where? At a at a salon? At my house. They're gonna come over under the cloak of Darkness. I don't know, midday. Wow. But yeah, she was like, please don't tell anybody. I don't want to get busted. We're, I've heard stories of two different salons near us that get, got their license revoked for three years. I mean, that's gnarly. Because they were doing backdoor haircuts. haircuts. That is crazy town. Three years. Oh, how nuts is that? I mean, it just makes me mad. It makes me infuriated that poor, hardworking stylists have been kicked on the ear for nothing. I know. If they're willing to give a haircut and somebody is willing to buy a haircut, then who's the government to say, no, that yep. is an illegal exchange? Yep. Well, not I. No, good on you. I am fighting it and we're doing it today. So are you going to wear a mask? Excited. You are. You have to. Wear a mask? Yeah, during the haircut. Oh, shoot. And didn't really think about it. Yeah. All right. I'll assess it with her when she comes over. Yep. Um, all right, Chaz. Well, thanks to Album Surfboards. Albumsurf.com is their website. Uh, Beachgrid.com is where you can find all of Chaz's work. And where can they pre-order reports from hell? You can rarebirdlit.com or... Am I, yeah, I think it's rarebirdlit. Or Amazon or Barnes & Noble or anywhere books are sold. Sweet. Probably your local bookstore website if you use that. Sweet. All right. Well, until next week, Chaz, stay safe. Just kidding. Get barrel. <laughs>